Well, we probably should have warned you, you guys should have brought tissues today, right? <laughs> Love it. Well, welcome to Grace this Mother's Day. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, if we haven't met yet, I would love to meet you. And uh, for all of you mothers, happy Mother's Day. We want to celebrate kind of big uh, with you this weekend. And I am thrilled to be with you, privileged just to be here and uh, really to be able to honor that and kind of look at the role of motherhood and see that kind of elevated in our view. And we're excited to do that today. Before we jump in, though, I want to uh, give you an update real quick. Uh, we have some special things happening this week. Pastor Jeff and a team from our church, they are all the way over in uh, the continent of Africa, in Chad, Africa right now. And uh, there's a couple things playing out with that team that are a little bit special. I want to make sure you guys know about it. So there's a handful of folks on that team that are investigating uh, the country of Chad, and they're saying, is this a place that we could go and land and be missionaries here? And so they're praying that through. It's kind of an exploratory trip. And then Jeff is there for a different purpose. He's gathered together with leaders from all over the U.S. and also our global missions organization. And they're meeting together to pray and strategize. And they're saying, how can we and our churches uh, really make a bigger impact in the, in the continent of Africa, specifically through Chad? And so we want to make sure to pray for them. And we're going to do that here in a second. And we also want to recognize... It's on my mind, I think it's on maybe some of our minds, that today is, while a a day filled with joy for many of us, uh, it's also a day for many of us that's painful and it's challenging. I want to pray for us in that, realizing that today can be challenging in a variety of ways as we celebrate moms together. So why don't we pray? Father, I want to say thank you that you are a global God that you care for the whole world and you long to see people from every tribe and tongue and nation come to know you. So we pray for our team that is in Chad right now. I pray that you would work through the potential missionaries and work through Jeff and the leaders there. Give them wisdom and insight and a sense of your calling and your leading. And Lord, we ask for their protection as well. Bring them back safe uh, with a sense of where you have us to go next. Lord, I also want to say thank you for Mother's Day today. Thanks for our moms, for their investments in our lives and the roles that they've played in developing us. And Lord, you know, and I recognize that there are some here today that are facing Mother's Day and it's a challenge. It's difficult. And so I want to pray for those specifically who may be having difficulties, Lord, for uh, the woman who has never been able to have a child for the couple that's struggled with infertility, for the family that has lost a child, or for the many of us who today face Mother's Day wishing that we could physically be with our mothers as they've passed from this earth onto the next life. And Lord, there are a, a myriad of other situations that may make this time painful, perhaps difficult situations with our children. You know, Lord, ultimately. And I ask now that you would bring healing to any wound that remains unhealed, that you bring grace and comfort. And Lord, just be with us today as we celebrate. We do long to bring honor to our mothers. We want to thank you for them today and give us grace to do that well from the heart. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, it's an emotional thing, isn't it? To to think about mom and her role in our lives and 
motherhood is just such an important role. I know I have been privileged to have a handful of women that I've been able to live life with. My mother has loved me. She sacrificed for me much of my life. She was a single mom, so I watched her make very difficult choices to stabilize our family. Uh, My wife, we have four kids between eight and two, so we are like in the thick of it, and I love watching her mother as she gives herself away to our children. It's such a privilege to do that. And you guys, you all have a mom, right? If you're here and you're a human being, which I hope you are, you have a mom. And so this is a relevant conversation for all of us. And what we want to do today is talk specifically to moms. And we want to celebrate who mom is. And if you are not a mom and you're in the room, what we want to do is maybe recognize and bring honor and say, mom, thank you for your investment and your role in our lives. And if you are a mom, we want to talk to you and kind of make this day about you. And I know I watch this with my wife that in the daily grind of motherhood as, we, as you give your lives away to your children, it's really easy to lose track of the big picture. You kind of get caught in the grind of it. So what we want to do, moms, is kind of get up above it, the 30,000 foot view, and say, what is motherhood really all about? And what's it doing? And what might be God's purpose in the role of mom? And we want to celebrate that together and see the vision of all that moms can accomplish and how God uses them in mighty, mighty ways. And what we're going to do today is look at a story of a mom in the Bible. And uh, this is actually going to be Moses' mom we're going to look at. And what we're going to see is there is a, a very difficult situation that this mom finds herself in. It's going to be in the book of Exodus. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn there. Um, and if you don't have a Bible or a newer translation, is there some Bibles right underneath your chairs, right in front of you? Grab one of those Bibles you can look at and kind of follow along during the services with that Bible. And then you can actually keep that if you don't have a Bible with you. We would love for you to have a copy of God's Word. Make sure to take that. So as you're turning there, Exodus chapter 2 is where we're going to set up shop today. Let me give you a little bit of background. Um, some pretty interesting dynamics are happening uh, for this mom as she is going to bring a child into the world. So what's happened in Exodus 2 is there's a, a generation of people that have moved. A couple of generations before the context we're going to look at, it was a group of about 70 people that formed the nation of Israel or kind of a tribe of Israel. And what would have happened is they ran into a famine and there was one of those family members that was able to move into Egypt and he helped to save that 70 people. And they all moved to Egypt. They found food there. And the Egyptian leadership at that time would have given that 70 people an enormous amount of favor. They would have looked at that nation and said, oh, you are highly favored in our sight. Now, what had happened is generations had advanced and and played out, and the Israelites had had children, and their kids had kids, and their kids had kids, and that 70 people became 2 million. And the Egyptian leadership rolled over, right? So it went from one pharaoh, which is like a king, one pharaoh to the next, the next, the next, and those pharaohs lost track of the favor that those Israelites used to have. So as the nation of Israel grew, and as the leadership of the Egyptian government changed over, what happened was the entire dynamic shifted. And now this huge group of people, two million people, now all in Egypt, that presence of this huge nation of Israel made the Egyptian leadership nervous. They said if the Israelites actually got organized and they got focused, then they could overthrow us. 
Like they could take over Egypt. And, and they said, we need to do something about this. So what they did is they put the nation of Israel in slavery. They oppressed them and they put them into forced labor. And, and that didn't stop it. The Israelites continued to multiply and grow as a people. And the current king of Egypt, he actually tried something in secret. He went to some of the midwives and he said, hey, I want to control some of this population. And as you're delivering the babies of these Israelite families, if it's a girl, you can allow that child to live. It's a boy. I want you to kill that baby. The midwives refused to listen. God continued to bless and grow the nation of Israel. The paranoia of the Egyptian pharaoh went off the charts to the point where he actually issued an edict. He said, it is against the law for any Israelite family to do anything other than take their newborn babies, their newborn male babies, and throw them in the river. That is the law now. Like if, if a Hebrew family has a boy, they have to throw him in the river. Throw him into the Nile River and throw him onto death. If you have a girl, you can keep her. If you have a boy, he has to die. That is the situation that Moses' parents found themselves in. Can you imagine? As a young family, as a young couple, they find out that they're pregnant and they are slaves and they are locked into the situation not knowing whether or not they would have a boy or a girl and how would all of this play out for them? What would they do? Fascinating situation. Let's look at it. It's Exodus chapter two. Let me read through it. We'll come back and summarize it and draw some perspective from it. Exodus two verse one says this, now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying. She felt sorry for him. She said, this is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me. and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the, when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. That's what Moses means. And so here's what's happening in our story, kind of to, right to summarize it. So this young couple, you can imagine the anxiety they must have had as young potential parents as this baby's growing in side of Moses' mother. Her name is Jochebed, by the way. It shows up later in the book of Exodus as Jochebed is growing this baby inside of her. You imagine the anxiety that she has and the questions they would have asked. What are we going to do if we have a son? And the day comes and they find out that they have a son. And they, are, they meet their baby boy. They decide that 
they are going to hide him for three months. They put him away and they hide him as long as they can, right? When he starts to get too loud, he starts to crawl, they can't hide him any longer. So mom hatches a scheme. I think what's going on here is this, is she makes this basket, she seals it, she puts it in the Nile River. There's some things implied in the text here that they're doing some of this stuff on, probably on purpose, doing all that they can do, specifically from mom's perspective, to save this baby, She makes this basket, puts Moses in it, sends him down the river. His older sister, her name is Miriam, she is going to go track this basket and track Moses as he's going down the river. And one of the things we find out from the story is that Pharaoh's daughter is not on the same page as Pharaoh. They're on different pages about this edict that Pharaoh has issued, right? He said, I want all the male babies killed. She clearly does not agree with that. We don't know for sure. Perhaps Jochebed caught wind of that and maybe even tried to point Moses at Pharaoh's daughter where she would have regularly bathed. We don't know, but that's some of what the text implies is that there's an intentionality and a a plan playing out from Jochebed's perspective. Pharaoh's daughter finds the baby, chooses to keep the baby, love it. There's Miriam right there to intercept Moses. And she's like, hey, guess what? I happen to know a Hebrew lady that's nursing right now. You want me to go grab her and she can nurse this baby? And then eventually you can have him back. That's exactly what happens. Miriam takes her brother, Moses, back to her mom, Jochebed. And Jochebed gets to nurse her own baby and get paid for it. I mean, moms, this is only something you can pull off, right? (laughs) This is like a mom thing, right? And this is what Jochebed does. She gets to then nurse the baby over the next handful of years until he's fully weaned and she would have a period of training with him. And then she gives him back to Pharaoh and she has to kind of release her child. And that's Jochebed's story. That's her role as a Mother, and you might be looking at this saying, this is kind of an odd story, Ryan, for Mother's Day. How does this all work? This is an inspiring story. And I think what's found in the course of this story are some ideas and principles that are true and applicable for all mothers of all times. One of the biggest things is scripture itself helps us to look back and have perspective on this story. Let me show you what I mean real quick and then we'll dig into some of these perspectives. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 says this, talking about Moses' parents, specifically Jochebed, because she's who shows up in the story. 23, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. By faith, they did that. It says, because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict Jochebed and her husband, Amram is his name, they would have looked at the situation they found themselves in. I break the law. Do I risk my life? Do I lock into this child that God has given? And by faith, they decided to put all at risk, all on the foundation of their faith that God was working and that he would protect, right? I'm gonna make Jochebed for us here. She's got some awesome hair. There we go, right? There's Jochebed standing on this foundation of faith. And here's the first word I'm gonna give us is she's captivated, I believe, by a vision for her child. Look what's in the text. 
Verse two says this, when she saw that he was a fine child, middle of verse two, when, when she met her child, that would set in motion unbelievable risk, unbelievable investment. She would put all of herself into her child and making sure that her child can live and thrive and become all that he is made to be. Wives, you know how this works. Mothers, when you are growing a child inside of you, you begin to form a relationship. I'll never know that privilege, right? I'm not a mom. But as you're growing a child inside of you, you begin to have a relationship with that child. Moms, as you're as you're filling out the adoption paperwork, you're forming a vision for what will this child be? And this is what's happening for Jochebed. She, she's pregnant and she's forming a relationship. And then when that child shows up, she has the Hebrew, gives us more than just a fine child. It's that there's a caring, a deep connection between them. That she has an affection for Moses. And she begins to long for him to become more than she maybe could ever be. There's giant baby Moses, right? It's fantastic artwork, isn't it? There's a diaper, right? She longs to leverage herself and see her child become maybe more than she could ever become. She looks at this child and her role as a mother, and it's not just the the propagating of humanity, right? I'm not just keeping a human being alive because that's what needs to happen for the human race. It's deeper than that. She would look at this child and, and have the perspective that this is a gift from God. I am uniquely given this life to cultivate and to protect and to do all that is within my power to raise for the glory and the honor of God she would have had that kind of faith and that faith would inform that vision. And after that vision sets in place, when she meets her child, it triggers all of these things that begin to happen. Unbelievable risks, and unbelievable investments, which we'll look at in a moment. Moms, isn't this how it works? That as you meet that child, you realize this, this child is uniquely mine to raise. God's child, but I am this child's mother. And I am called uniquely to raise this child with all that I have, with all that I am. And there's no way that you can know what your child will be. There's no way that Jochebed could look ahead and see the, the potential of that baby. She never would have known that the baby that she was holding would become Moses, right? The leader of the entire nation of Israel, the the one that would free the people from Egypt and walk through the Red Sea. She had none of that perspective. All she had was a baby to hold, but she had vision. She said, I know it's worth my life to give myself to this baby. So she risked all to do it. Moms, isn't that how it works? Something like that. An unexplainable connection. An unexplainable vision of what will this child be and what will they become and I'm gonna give myself to all of that. That set, like we said, 
Jochebed into a series of decisions that would be increasingly sacrificial, she would hide the baby. She would hatch a plan to protect her baby. She would nurse her baby and care and and make what I will call incredible investments. I think that's the next word of the three words we're gonna look at. There's an unbelievable investment that plays out. I get a front row seat to this right now as I watch my wife mother our children. Moms, you lose sleep. You give up your bodies. You give up your energy. You give up any other ambitions or many other ambitions that you could give more energy to. You give of your attention and your time, your emotional capacity. You give up your sanity half the time. If you're in the throes of motherhood, you're making investments of all kinds, no matter what stage you're in. If you're in the baby stage and it's literally sleepless nights and diapers and diapers and diapers and all of that is playing out, you're investing yourself into that child at the deepest levels. I was thinking about this this week. I cannot think of any role at least not yet, that a human being can play that makes a deeper investment into another human being than a mother. I just can't think of one. There might be one, but moms, it is deep for you. You give your heart, your energy, your bodies and your minds all to those investments. And sometimes those investments push you to the limit Right? They, they take all of your heart and all of your mind, and at some point you kind of snap a little bit. This happened to us last summer. My wife finally lost it, man. She snapped. It was scary. <laughs> the children gathered together. Remember, I have four. And uh, they staged a coup, and they overthrew my wife. And do you know what they did? I'm going to tell you. They desecrated my woodpile. Those of you who don't know, I have a deep affection for my woodpile, and I'm going to show you a picture of this desecration right now. Yeah, see that? (laughs) Sidewalk chalk on my woodpile. That is beyond the line, right? I knew if my wife couldn't stop them, she had lost her mind. I pulled in the driveway and saw that, and see that ornery smile right there? Yeah, that's the troublemaker right there, just so you know. She looked at me and says, Dad, now your wood's pretty. And I said, honey, my wood needs no makeup. It has natural beauty. We'll talk about that later, right? All good parenting lessons come from the wood pile. <laughs> at least at our house, that's true. Right, but there's, there's all these investments. We're giving ourselves, why, m- mothers, you're giving yourselves at the deepest levels. All based on that vision, that the things that were important before you were a mom no longer seem quite as important. Why? You're captivated by a vision, and now that vision is driving you to invest in this child with all that you have. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. You guys, at the end of the day, if you are a, a husband of a mother right now, You guys know we need to encourage our wives more and more, right? It's always true. Guys say, yes, we do. Yes, say that, please. Yes, we do, right? We need to encourage our wives all the more. But moms, 
Let me just say this. At the end of the day, no one fully knows your sacrifices except for Jesus Christ. That's it. No one fully understands how much heart you've put into those children. No one but Jesus fully sees the sacrifices, right? great and small, thankless often. They often don't see the bodily fluid you clean up, right? Happens all the time at our house. Jesus, though, sees that sacrifice, and he sees that investment. And I want you to know this. If you love your children, you love Jesus, and you long for your child to become all that they can be according to God's will and his plan, Jesus would look at your sacrifices and your investments, and he would be proud of you. You need to know that. You need to hear that. I'm, I'm not a mom, but I watch my wife go through this, and wife, you need to know these things, that there's someone who sees and there's someone who knows all that is going into your role as a mother. Jochebed would have walked this path, and she was captivated by a vision, and she gave herself through investment. She finally came to a point where she entered the hardest part of mothering, which is to release her child. For Jochebed, it was very unique circumstances where she invested in this child, risked her life to do so. Verse 10 says, when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses. And all of that is true in Jochebed's life. She uniquely had to trust God by faith and say, God, I, I captured the window of time that you've called me to love my child, and then I am releasing him to your best. She could have fought for that baby. She could have risked her life and risked his life, but she recognized that what was best in this situation is to give him over to God's plan for his life. And guys, I don't think you and I will ever fully understand what this is like for a mother. I I think that I will never fully get it, what it's like to release a child. But what I see is that that release in one sense starts the day your child is born, moms. Right, when they're completely dependent on you and every portion of their survival is based on your connection and your love and care for them, from the moment they're born, they move away from that level of dependency on you and you know that if you're doing your job the way that you hope to, that one day they really don't need you anymore. Not in the same way. And that release... It starts, I think, at birth and moves gradually throughout the rest of a child's life is honoring to God. And you know, if you've done your job well, that is kind of what it looks like. And this person that God has given you to invest in now has become fully mature and they're on their own and you have done the the bulk of the work of motherhood. You'll always be a mom. But the heavy lifting is done and now you have released that child. Is that, that brings honor to God. Because what we're saying when we release our children is we're saying, God, we recognize that this child is yours and not mine. That you gave them to me for a time to invest deeply and then to live an independent life. 
all of this is by faith. This is kind of fun. We're all looking at this from mom's perspective, right? From Jochebed's investment of her faith. What's fascinating about the book of the Bible that we're reading right now, what we're looking at, is that the author of Exodus, the one who wrote this, is Moses himself. He is now a mature man, no longer a baby. This baby whose life was spared, who didn't have to go into the Nile, we'll give him some pants, that's great. Right now he's a grown man. He's writing the book of Exodus and what he's doing now with maturity and wisdom looks back at the role of his mother and he says, oh, thank you. Mom, God used you to rescue me. And part of who I have become is dependent on your sacrifice in these years. And he looks back and he honors her in this account. He could have been cynical. He could have been critical. He could have looked at his mom and said, why didn't you? Why didn't you fight for me? Why'd you give me over to Egypt? Why? He doesn't do that. He looks back at the role of his mother and he says, her faith, her risk, her investment, her vision, mom, thank you. I think for all of us, we today, especially on Mother's Day, look back and with honor look to our mothers and say, mom, thank you. Thank you for giving me life. And I know that this is going to show up differently in each of our lives. But at the end of the day, if you have a mother who has given you life, that is worthy of honor. If you have a mother who invested in you and loved you, it is worthy of honor. And so today, we want to be diligent to say, Mom, thank you. I want to pause and get perspective and say, Man, where would I be without my mom? It's part of what. Moses is doing here. Saying, thank you, God, for mom's role in my life. He's writing this account through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, all this uh, looks nice and clean on a whiteboard, you know. Vision investment release, but I know that moms, as you're in the thick of it, the perspective can really be lost, Lori and I were sitting together at the kitchen uh, table the other night. It was about, probably seven days ago, six, seven days ago. Kids are playing in the other room. They're all occupied for a minute. And we're having a conversation about uh, our two of our children and how they're just, man, they're bickering and fighting and they're not listening. Right? Stuff that only happens at our house. And we're talking about that, you know. It, and it was a moment where she was kind of just sharing facts of how the kids aren't doing that great. And all of a sudden, her eyes welled up with tears and she looked at me and she said, honey, what am I doing wrong? I feel like I'm failing. They're not listening. And, and I was quiet because men, we don't say anything when this happens. We just listen. It's good. But what I thought to myself is, honey, you were like the best mom I know. You're investing in unbelievable ways. And all of this is being poured into our children. And moms, I think what happens is you beat yourselves up 
and lose sight of the big picture that these investments will pay off one day. At the end of the day, you probably will not know the full return on those investments until you see Jesus face to face. Not really. Why? Because you're pouring your heart and soul into the formation of a human being one day at a time. That's what you're doing. You're forming a generation. One unique opportunity at a time. I listened to Lori and I thought about it and it's stuck in my heart and mind and I thought, there's something deeper. There's something deeper to motherhood than, than moms just investing into a child and hoping that one day that child gets it and comes back and says, thank you. There's more to it than that, isn't there? You know, I started to realize that moms have a unique opportunity to look like Jesus. They really do. Moms, you have a unique opportunity to look like Jesus in this as you lay down your lives for the child that you love. You look a lot like Jesus who laid down his life for the world that he loves. Your child has no reason to be loved. They've done nothing to deserve or earn your love. And yet you do it. That's exactly what Jesus does for us. He, he has a vision for us. He invested all of himself, all the way to dying on a cross for us. This is the amazing part, is that same Jesus would eventually release us to our own decisions about him, about whether or not we would come back and honor his faith in his investment. Moms, you get to look like Jesus as you love your kids. Let me just say this. Moms, I know that across the board, you, get, you serve and you work and you do all kinds of things with your time and your energy. I just want you to hear this. Some of the most important work you will ever do is the work of mothering. And if you are giving yourself with diligence to the work of mothering, I want you to know that brings glory to God. Thank you. He is proud of that work. And it will pay off in ways that we'll never fully see. And you have a unique calling on your life to pour into that child or those children that God has placed in front of you. And that is a wonderful task. It's critical in so many ways. One of those ways shows up in how you look like Jesus. Another way is eventually your children will see that perspective and they will do that for their children. The role of motherhood is unbelievable. Why? Well, it's the huge investment and there's a huge return. Moms, we want to help you we want to come alongside and be partners with you as you mother. And so what we did is we, we asked some of our pastor's wives to get together and just have a conversation about mothering, you know, because it's, it's not just the big picture, it's the everyday nitty gritty. And we thought it would be appropriate to kind of gather some of their thoughts and give those to you as a gift. So we have about an hour's worth of footage of some of our pastor's wives, my wife's in there as well. And 
what they're going to be doing is just talking about parenting, what it means to be a mom, and talking about tough issues. And I'm going to give that to you as a gift. You can get that online on the website or on Facebook and click on that. Watch that video when you have time. We thought what would be an appropriate way to celebrate, kind of end our time together is for you to hear directly from them. We're talking about the how-tos of mother. I want you to hear just a snapshot of their heart for you and some of the how-tos of how this plays out. We're going to tune into that here via video. First, I just want to say, moms, thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Let's hear from some of our wives here. 